In a career that is now approaching half a century, taking in such intense works as Mean Streets, Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, The Age of Innocence, Casino, Kundun, Shutter Island, and most recently, The Wolf of Wall Street, most people agree that Raging Bull is Martin Scorsese's supreme achievement. Ask what it is that makes the film stand out, and invariably, people will say it's the fight scenes. But for me, the entire movie is a fight, and the most violent scenes take place outside the ring. That may sound absurd, but the fighting that takes place inside the ring is entirely consensual, and the way those fights are presented is heavily stylized. For Jake LaMotta, his brother, and their respective wives and children, the violence away from the ring is not consensual, almost casual, and nearly constant. Sadly, it is the stuff of their everyday lives. The aggression is so habitual, so irrational, unpredictable, and unequivocal, that Lamata's world is defined by it. Is it done? No, it's not done. Don't overcook it. You overcook it's no good. It defeats its own purpose. What are you doing? I just said don't overcook it. You're overcooking it. Bring it over. You want your steak? Bring it over. Bring it over. It's like a piece of charcoal. Bring it over here. You want your steak? Yeah. And even when the violence is not physical, it is incredibly intense. Why? It is so real and so potent that every moment comes at you like an emotional razor blade. It's a cinematic tour de force, and while we marvel at the performances of Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci and Kathy Moriarty, the editing by Thelma Schoonmaker, Michael Chapman's cinematography, and Frank Warner's sound design, we may as well ask, was it Scorsese's achievement? More pertinently, what did he achieve? This is something I discovered later, and when I realized that the only way for me to shoot the boxing scenes would be as if you're in the ring, and how you would perceive uh, what reality there seems to be around you as you're fighting, and as you're uh, literally hitting and being hit. What sound would be like, what images would be like, what the force of the, the physical, the physicality would be like. Um, and therefore you could do anything inside the ring and, and uh, you could stretch the ring. I, I actually built the ring two or three times the size and we'd stretch it out. In other shots, uh, nobody can really tell. It's, 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 all, part of, uh, it's all part of the um, internal eye and ear of the fighter. That was the idea. Raging Bull is a film of such precision 
you can take any single scene and observe in it the entire film. That's because the movie is poetic. Now, I don't mean poetic as in pretty. I mean poetic as in expressive of content. Take the opening credits, for instance. A black and white image of a boxer warming up in the ring. On the soundtrack, we hear classical music. The movie title appears in blazing red. But watch it again and you will notice that although his movements are graceful, this is energy, violence, barely contained. It's in slow motion. The music is the intermezzo from Cavaliera Rusticana by Mascani. Yet there is nothing rustic about the scene and, as we shall see, there is nothing chivalrous about the boxer. The movie will show him to be an animal, a bull. And in that opening image, he appears to be alone in the ring, but really his opponent is already there. We just don't realize it yet. The flashbulbs that silently erupt from the darkness are wonderfully ambiguous additions. Could they indicate the incandescent fury that so fueled the boxer's career? Or could they yet offer fleeting illuminations of Lamata's life? Certainly, this film aims to present a portrait of the man. With those three ropes that cut across the screen, it looks more like a cage, a prison, which is exactly where Lamata ends up at the end of the film, again alone, this time attacking himself, hammering his head against the wall of his own private hell. Which is what I meant when Lamata's opponent was already in the ring at the start of the picture. Why are you doing? Why? It's so stupid. It's so stupid. So fucking stupid. So stupid. I'm not an animal. I'm not an animal. I'm not an animal. Oh, why do you treat me like this? I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. The script, brilliantly written by Paul Schrader and Mardik Martin, served as the basis for some marvellous improvisations from the cast, but it was Martin Scorsese himself who wrote the key line. And it isn't even in the film. You don't make up for your sins in the church. You do it in the streets. You do it at home. The rest is bullshit and you know it. Those are the opening words to Mean Streets, which Scorsese made in 1973. They come from Harvey Keitel's inner monologue, only that is not Keitel's own voice you hear, but Scorsese's. It does a number of things at once, not least of which is showing a great understanding of cinema. We can see one thing and hear something else, and by using his own voice, Scorsese reasons that the internal voice is different from the voice the rest of the world hears. If this were a novel, for example, perhaps the line would come in italics, or parentheses, but either way, Scorsese renders it so cinematically that the internal monologue comes to serve as a confession. Raging Bull is a confession. Another way of putting it is, it is subjective cinema, a film in which Scorsese gave us a view of Lamotta's world by giving us a glimpse of what Scorsese saw in his own. Scorsese made it at an incredibly low period in his life. A cocaine addict, his second marriage had imploded. He was estranged from his children and as a physical wreck, with a near zero platelet level and blood pouring from his eyes, he was admitted to hospital. 
For years, Robert De Niro had been trying to persuade Scorsese to make the film, and Scorsese kept saying he didn't understand sports. But it was there, lying on his bed in the hospital, that Scorsese realised LaMotta's entire life was a fight. And once Scorsese recognised that the ring was just a metaphor, he was able to identify his own fury, frustration and self-doubt and put it all on screen. That is why, at the end of the film, we are given a biblical quote from John, Book 9, Chapters 24 through 26. So, for the second time, the Pharisees summoned the man who had been blind and said, Speak the truth before God. We know this fellow is a sinner. Whether or not he is a sinner, I do not know, the man replied. All I know is this. Once I was blind, and now I can see. In other words, Scorsese has spent over two hours of screen time examining the life of a man many people would consider a repugnant character. Yet Scorsese refuses to condemn him because once Scorsese was blind and now he could see the raging bull in himself. And yet, by refusing to condemn LaMotta, it may sound as though Scorsese was cowering away from owning up. So let's quote another passage from John this time, Book 8, Chapter 7. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. Yes, and you thought that this was a podcast about cinema and not a seminary. But we cannot forget that Scorsese seriously considered entering the priesthood. He put in a whole year of study before realising that his true calling was to film. And with that knowledge, it should come as no surprise that you can see Catholic iconography in so many of his films and quite often in the most unusual of places. Take, for instance, this passage from Goodfellas. One day, one day some of the kids from the neighborhood carried my mother's groceries all the way home. You know why? It was out of respect. As the cars explode, and the young Henry Hill hurries to escape the blazing inferno, Scorsese freezes the image on a particular frame, and with the image held for a number of seconds, you can see Henry in silhouette, his shape a visual echo of Christ on the cross. Here is a young man whose entire life will be spent suffering on the cross. Sure, he will enjoy his gangster life and all the supposed trappings that come with it. Wealth, drugs, infidelity, lack of responsibility, but they are all traps from which there is no escape. And as the film approaches its climax, we see Henry, now a grown man, on trial in a courtroom. Giving evidence, he suddenly turns to the camera 
and begins addressing us directly. And it is then that we realise that the entire film is a trial and testimony. It didn't matter. It didn't mean anything. When I was broke, I would go out and rob some more. We ran everything. We paid off cops. We paid off lawyers. We paid off judges. Everybody had their hands out. Everything was for the taking. And now it's all over. And just as in The Wolf of Wall Street, where Scorsese hurls at us all the unbridled excesses of America's irresponsible corporate executives, we are exposed to every temptation and indulgence. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Instead of a bum, which is what I am. Let's face it. It was you, Charlie. It was you, Charlie. Raging Bull was the movie in which Martin Scorsese not only fought himself, but also overcame himself. Raging Bull is Scorsese's achievement. And not only is it his greatest achievement, it is one of cinema's greatest works.